in the game. Yeah! Ian Bagley, SNY. My man, how you doing? Randy, what's happening, man? How are you? Doing good, man. Can't complain. Hope all is well with you and the family. You know, we always really appreciate you coming on the show. We're talking about some NBA, some Knicks. Um, one crazy free agency period, Ian. Um, so real quick, right off the back, man, um, what do you make of all the moves in general? Like, of, of how the power has shifted in the NBA? I mean, there's no doubt that the players have the power right now. I mean, that's Kawhi showed you that with getting to the Clippers and getting Paul George to the Clippers and facilitating that move. And, you know, LeBron has showed you that year in and year out when he's a free agent. Uh, Anthony Davis showed you that uh, during the season and in getting that trade done to the Lakers. So this is a Stars League. Mm-hmm. And if a star wants to move, if a star is not happy, wants to change destinations, right? He's able to do that. That's what we've seen over, you know, this free agency period and uh, this season in the NBA. Uh, maybe aside from the Kawhi move, maybe were there any other moves that surprised you? Well, you know, I, I, we all knew. That Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving wanted to play in New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, we knew that the Nets were in play. We knew that the Knicks were in play. I wouldn't say I was surprised that both guys went to the Nets uh, because of the success that the Nets have had lately and the position they put themselves in. But I think it, it was a little surprising that both guys, again, wanted to play in New York and the Knicks missed out on that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was certainly a gut punch uh, to the organization. And then, you know, you do, if you look at uh, some of the other big moves, you know, Jimmy Butler to Miami, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people had him staying in Philly, Philly offering him that max deal. Uh, unsure if that ever came to fruition with the Philly making that big offer. But him going to Philly uh, was certainly intriguing. And now the idea that Russell Westbrook, is on the move in the wake of the Paul George trade mm-hmm. or potentially on the move, I should say. I don't think people foresaw Oklahoma City having to blow it up essentially this summer in the fashion that they're they're doing. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure if you know, Ian, but uh, according to a lot of Brooklyn Net fans, the, the Barclays Center is now the mecca of New York. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they're allowed they're allowed to uh to talk like that after the summer they had. Uh-huh. I mean, we'll see how it goes with, you know, attendance and we'll see how the Nets do on the court and right. you know, we'll see where where that ends up at the end of next season, but they're certainly allowed to to chirp a little bit after what happened on uh June 30th and July 1st. Yeah. Um I'll get to the Knicks in a second, but right now, currently, you, you know, you did, you did mention Miami with, uh, with with Butler and Westbrook. So right now, as we speak, Russell Westbrook could be on his way out of OKC, um, but then again, he might stay. We just don't know. But um, you know, Miami's in play. Maybe New York. I know a lot of fans have saying that they want no parts of, of Westbrook. Me, Ian, I'm like, at least make a phone call, see what they would want. Just be intrigued. Don't just say, well, we don't want a former All-Star, a former MVP, and scoring leader, whatever the case may be. You have to do 
the due diligence of trying to see what OKC may want from you guys. And if you go somewhere else, he goes somewhere else. But right now, where do you stand as far as the Knicks being somewhat interested, involved in trying to acquire Russell Westbrook? Yeah, I think I'm with you. You make a phone call, right? You see what's possible. You see what isn't possible. But in my mind, if Oklahoma City is asking you to give up any young assets, mm-hmm. any any draft picks in this transaction, and it's and it's just Russell Westbrook coming, and it's not Russell Westbrook and another star coming, doesn't make sense for the Knicks based on their timeline, uh, where they are in their roster construction. I think the best path forward for them is to hold on to their young guys, uh, try to develop uh, a core that's that can attract, you know top free agents and maybe disgruntled stars looking for a, a change of scenery. But you, you have to build that core first. You don't want to break it up just to bring in Russell Westbrook and right. you know have him surrounded by these young guys and vets that they have here. Because to me, just having Russell here, he's a fantastic player. Mm-hmm. Not taking anything away from uh, who he is on the floor, what he's accomplished. <clears throat> a great player would certainly make the Knicks a lot better. But bring him here alone. Uh, you know, doesn't really push you forward uh, in your championship aspirations. If you bring him here with another star, if, he, if trading for him attracts another star in his prime, I think that's a different conversation. But just Russell on his own, I don't think that moves the needle enough towards mm. where uh, to where it would make sense for the Knicks. So if you're Perry, if you're Mills, um, what would be the deal breaker? So if, if Pressy is saying, all right, I could trade you Westbrook, but I want XYZW, What's the deal breaker for you guys? Yeah, for me, I, I would think it would be, you know, Barrett, Robinson. Um, I mean, I wouldn't even want to include Knox or Trier in there. Maybe, you know, maybe Trier, maybe Knox. But I, I, I still say, like, you would want to keep your core, that those young guys intact. And I don't think you'd give want to give up more than uh, one future first rounder in that deal. I think anything more than that, Again, it's 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 giving up too much. It's sacrificing the tools that you have to build this roster out to build a young core in the future uh, for a player, fantastic player, great player. But again, Russ alone to me doesn't push you along far enough towards uh, building a championship uh, contending roster for it to make sense for the Knicks. So as we stand right now, you think the most likely destination for Russell uh, Russell Westbrook would be Miami, right? He reportedly wants to be in Miami. Uh, Miami wants him. So usually in a league when two parties uh, are uh, in agreement on a destination, the teams find a way to get it done. And it probably will take a third team uh, to you know absorb a contract or two. And that, that could be in play here. It'll probably be a, a little bit of a complicated deal. But I think... When both sides are motivated to do something in the NBA, there's a way to get it done, and, and teams find a way to get it done. So you're all for, you know, when the fans say, you know, I want to do things right, the draft picks, develop young talent, don't trade three or four guys for one piece. Are you okay with that? Because, I mean, the last 20 years, Ian, the Knicks, you know, have not been that great. You know, not not a lot of playoff appearances, uh, injuries, and weird free agent signings and coaches and everything. So, I mean, are we still on that course to be more patient as these, as these guys like Duran and Butler and KD and Russell Westbrook just kind of go, go away from us? 
Yeah, I mean, what choice do you have, really? Because <laughs> we saw this summer that New York alone, the Garden alone, at least in this summer, and in the case of these free agents, wasn't enough to attract a big name. So yeah, you have no choice, really, other than to build uh, a, a, you know, a young core that can show that it can win games and can be successful and can show free agents that if they come here, they can be the piece to, to push this team over the top in a winning situation. So I don't think that, you know, <clears throat> the idea that you're going to, again, attract the top star just because it's Madison Square Garden, just because it's New York, I don't think that is realistic. So I, I think I see it as they don't really have a choice uh, but to approach it that way, to rely mm. on the player development staff, to uh, <clears throat> get these young guys to fully reach their potential and, and to go from there. So, with the roster we have now, man, I, you know they they they, they drafted uh, R.J. Barrett, two games in summer league. People are going crazy because he had like eight turnovers. You know how New York fans are. Um, but I, I like the upside. I love the young talent. He's still 19 years old. Uh, you know we we missed out on Zion for number one, but but we you know we do got R.J. What is the upside for him? And what are one or two or maybe three things you feel he has to work on this season? Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's tremendous upside there. Um, I don't think he would go number three in the draft, and and he would be seen by uh, so many teams as a, a top three player in this draft if there there was an upside. I mean, the uh, the idea that that he can get to the rim uh, when he wants to, I think that excites NBA teams. The, the size and his strength, I think that excites NBA teams. I think you know a couple of things that uh, we're talking to scouts that they. You know, I have some questions about his his shot and uh, if it could be, if it can turn into a shot that is reliable uh, in the NBA, if he can, you know, turn into a formidable shooter. I think uh, the other question is if he could go both directions. Um, I think that scouts, you know, watched him at Duke, watched him at Summer League, mm-hmm. see him as a one-directional uh, one player. They'd like to see him be able to, Use both hands, go both ways uh, a little more, and then um, the other thing is, you know, he's a he's a scout. See him as a great passer, um, and I think again, we're talking about a small sample size in summer league, and we're talking about a a college career for a player that was uh, very young um, for his class. But they see, you know, a great passer, but maybe sometimes mm-hmm. um, not as willing a passer as he could be. So those are the things that, you know, scouts mention. Obviously, those are things that can be worked on, improved, corrected. Uh, so I guess that, you know, that's just where it sits right now. He's 19 years old. Uh, the idea, I think, for the Knicks is to remain patient and, and again, get put in the uh, give RJ um the support to help him develop and, 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 and reach his potential. And that's kind of where it sits. It's going to be a process. Nothing's going to happen overnight. He's going to have ups and downs as a rookie. That's just kind of how things work in the NBA. Mm. The other pieces that they got in, um, Julius Randle, Taj Gibson, Wynn Ellington, Reggie Bullock, and Bobby Portis. Um, nowhere near the people that we were looking to get, but those are, five solid pieces, Randall being the, the, the youngest one of the group. 
Um, what do you make of those five guys? How can they impact right away? Be a be a mentor to to the big man off the bench. What do you make of those, of those five guys? Well, I guess just starting with Julius, you know, you're going to see him make a big impact offensively uh, immediately. He's a very talented offensive player. Um, has made improvements on ended in the court uh, in each of his, his years in the NBA, and I would expect to see him even more effective on the offensive end uh, coming into this season in New York. And, you know, when you talk about the other guys, like an Alfred Payton, I think Payton will be given every opportunity to win that starting point guard job Mm. um, in camp. And so that's, that's something to keep an eye on between Payton and Dennis Smith Jr. and Kadeem Allen and Frank Mm. Nolakina. That's going to be a a battle for minutes there. Uh, You talk about, uh, Reggie Bullock, he should really, you know, versatile defender, uh, good shooter, should help the Knicks space the floor. Uh, you talk about uh, the veteran presence of Taj Gibson. He will uh, hopefully, the Knicks hope, I'm sure, be a steadying presence in that locker room and give them valuable minutes uh, on the front line. And Bobby Portis is a young, talented player. Uh, Shoney can, has the ability to knock a shot down, uh, plays with intensity. So, um, I think the Knicks did well in their pivot uh, from not getting Durant, Kyrie Irving, Kawhi Leonard. They did pretty well um, to secure the guys that they did in free agency. The thing that I wonder is, uh, you know, there's some positional overlap. There's a lot of depth in certain areas of the court. Mm-hmm. So David Fisdale is going to have a lot of decisions to make with regards to rotation, lineups, minutes, and invariably, you know, somebody's not going to be happy with their role, whether it's one of the free agents that were brought in, uh, one of the young guys. Um, not everybody's going to play all the minutes they want to play. Not everybody's going to get all the shots they want to get. And, you know, I know that's true of every NBA team, but it's there's a, a, a different element here because, you know, you're trying to develop those young players um, and you'd like to see them, you know, take a step forward this season. But also there's veterans who are here on short-term contracts who are going to go back into the free agent market and I'm sure, mm. you know, want to contribute to winning with the Knicks and want to see if they can stick with the Knicks. But also, you know, that's it's human nature for them to to have that on their mind and have right. that be a part of, you know, the, the elements of the season for them. For, well, from the guys last year, Knox, Mitchell, Trier, Dennis, Dennis Smith Jr., um, Dodson, Kadeem Allen, which one of those players, or maybe two, um, you feel had to make the biggest leap this year as opposed to last year? I mean, Kevin Knox to me, just because of where he was drafted last year, and um, you know the, he, he was drafted highly. Uh, he had he had, he showed some promise as a rookie. Had a a, a good, very good December. Uh, was again up and down, which is which is what you'd expect from a young player in the NBA. But, you know, going into year two, I think, you know, if you're the Knicks, you'd like to see a big leap forward from him. And you'd like to see um, him play with more consistency, shoot the ball with more consistency. You just want to see him improve uh, on both ends of the floor. And I think that's, so this is an important season for Kevin Knox. And also, you know, they didn't draft Dennis Smith Jr. So, there's not the same level of commitment there, I think, mm. organizationally, or the same level of importance organizationally for Dennis Smith. But this is a big season for him. Uh, he talked about it the other day 
And, you know, it, he is an important piece for the Knicks because, A, uh, for this season, he's going to get uh, a lot of minutes at point guard. But also, he was the player, the top player that was brought back in that Chris Tapps Porzingis trade. And, you know, it's important for the organization to be able to show a strong return for what they got back in that Porzingis deal. So that, to me, is what makes uh, this season, from a Nick perspective, important for Dennis Smith Jr. Um. The realistic expectations from this team. Uh, we, we, you know, we did see other teams in the East make some moves. Toronto, no Kawhi Leonard. Uh, Philly made some big moves. Boston acquisitions. Um, Indiana gets Oladipo back. Miami gets Jimmy Butler. Um, tr- and then every year we're always like, hey, the Knicks might make the the, the eighth seed. Uh, but you got to break it down to me, man. Uh, you know, with this, with the additions and with, with, with what they had last year, what's the expectation of how many wins this team can get? Yeah, I mean, I'm not. I always hesitate to make those kind of predictions. Uh, it's just impossible to project so many things over the course of an 82 game season. But I think one thing to do here is to look at where this team was last year. You know, they won 17 games. So I mm-hmm. think if you get uh, you know, at anywhere between a 10 to 15, 12 to 15 win improvement, um, you consider that a good step forward uh, for the organization. And, you know, if there's anything like less than 10 wins in my mind, that's troubling because, again, you have the young guys that you have selected for the most part outside of Nilakina and mm-hmm. Dotson, and you have the veterans that you handpicked, you brought in in free agency. So, Another, you know, 17, 20 win season is unacceptable. You got to start winning games here right. uh, if you're the Knicks. So, yeah, I think anywhere between, you know, 10, 12, 15 uh, additional wins uh, from last season, mm-hmm. I think you consider that a good step forward. You know, it's real quick. I, I kind of surprised. I, I do get Kevin Knox, but I'm kind of surprised you did not say Frank when I mentioned who has to make the big leap next year because some fans are still high on him, but some fans are like, yeah, I, I really don't know right now. He hasn't really developed since he's been here, so I'm kind of surprised you did not mention Frank with that. I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure that how he's viewed in terms of uh, uh, as part of that young core for this organization. You know, they mm-hmm. talked about, they did talk to teams about potential Nili- trades involving Nilakina. Uh, prior to the draft and obviously nothing came to fruition but that leads me to wonder the commitment level from the organization to having frank be a part of everything and 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 if do they see him as a part of that young core i'm not sure and that's why um i i thought about kevin knox and i thought about dennis smith jr before i thought about frank just because again i'm not sure how committed they are to him being a part of this thing mm-hmm. long term i you know i could be misreading it uh, they could see him. Uh, they could be fully committed. They could see him as a part of that young core. But I, I, I just I wonder about that at this point. Right. Uh, two more before I let you go. Um, man, I forgot. oh yeah, Fisdale. Last year was we kind of knew what was going to going to happen. You know, they, they're trying to get the first pick in the draft and try to develop young talent. But now you got you, you did get better. So how much you know leeway should we give Fisdale this year? Is this year like another test run for him? And are we or are we more like, hey Fisdale, you have a better roster now. You should win more than seventeen games. I yeah, I think it's the latter. You know, it's kind of what we talked about with the 
with expectations for the win total, you know, that, that aligns with kind of where how you see Fizdale. You know, you said it last year. Mm. Um, they, they were trying – they prioritized developing players over winning games. And, you know, you interpret that how you want it. Some people interpret it as tanking. Some don't. Whatever. Uh, but the idea was that, you know, they were playing young guys, trying to see what they had instead of playing the best lineup. They, the, the lineup that gave them the best chance to win games. Now, it's different. You have to play. Uh, I guess there's still a little bit of a balance, but it's more tilted towards winning games and playing players that give you the best chance to win games as opposed to uh, a developmental strategy. So that, mm. to me, puts more of a, uh, a spotlight on, Coach David Fisdale, because wins and losses are going to matter more this season, and it's important for this team to win, start winning some games. And you know, inherent in that is uh, the coach and and him making decisions to help the club win games. So I think, yeah, there's going to be locally more of a spotlight on uh, uh, David Fisdale this season. Last one, um, we are on the road to Giannis in 2021, right? <laughs> I mean, look at look, look at the contracts. One year he optioned this and that. Like I, they're not slick. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, man, if the Knicks are putting all their eggs in a in a free agency basket again, oh, trying to man. get you know a top star in the market again, I don't, I don't know what to tell you because they should learn their lesson from this year, uh, which was you can't. Uh, uh, make all your moves towards uh, with the idea that you're going to get a top free agent. It's not a guarantee. So uh, you you, you can't put all your eggs in a a Giannis basket for 2021. It doesn't make any sense to do that. Uh, Too much could go wrong as we saw this summer. So that to me would not be a smart approach. But if we're winning, that can be a different story. Not saying we're like 50 wins, but if we, if we show improvement, I, I don't think he leaves Milwaukee. I think he stays there. A way better team organization. But I think if when you're coming off a 17-win season and try to convince a, a champion and MVP and Durant and Kyrie and these guys to come there, it's it's a little different than you are winning 35, maybe 40 games, get an AFC, and you're looking for that big-time free agent to come to your roster. No, there's no doubt. I mean, they could that, that to me should be the focus, though. The focus should be... Uh, you know, getting your young guys better, winning some games, and, and again, putting together that young core that could attract a free agent. But it, that also, inherent in that focus is also just winning and not being worried about chasing that shiny object. Mm-hmm. If you if you have co- are coming off like a 40-win season, you made the playoffs, Giannis is a free agent, maybe he considers you guys as a destination because of um, – his addition could put you guys over the top as we saw in Brooklyn. But again, I don't think that it's wise for them to make every move, make every decision with, uh, through the prism of we're going to get a top free agent in 2021. It doesn't make sense to me. It didn't work out this time. Uh, you get, you should just focus on, uh, building that young core out, uh, building a winning culture. And then Mm -hmm. the rest kind of takes care of itself. So last one, considering all the moves they made, what what kind of grade would you give the Knicks for this uh, offseason? Um, I would Uh-oh. say, Uh-oh. I would say <laughs> C C. I guess C plus. Uh, that's not bad. Yeah, because again, they did well in their pivot. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, once they missed out on their top guys, I think a lot, a lot of the moves that they made made sense. Should help them again win more games uh, this coming season. So C plus, uh, C C plus. I'll go with that. All right, Ian Begley at Ian Begley on Twitter S N Y. Um, real quick, man, like, you know, how was the transition going from ESPN New York? I know you've been there for quite some time, but now you're at SNY. You're doing a lot of more different things that I would never thought you would do, podcasting and video stuff. So I think you're, you're more out there. Uh, love to see that. But how had the, the, how had the transition been? It's been great. Um, it's been everything I thought it would be. Everybody I'm working with over there has been fantastic. And, and it's yeah, it's just been uh I've been very happy. So um, nothing but good things to say about everybody I'm working with at SNY. Love it, man. Ian Begley, always appreciate it, my man. All right, Randy. Thank you, bro. Hope to see you soon. All right, man. Take it easy. You too. All right.